On that note, who's ready for the word today? I'm excited. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Psalms, chapter 91. Psalms, chapter 91. We'll just open up in verse 1, and then we'll dig in. Chapter 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me just repeat that one more time. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you now, God, that you would speak a word to us fresh this morning. I pray you would anoint me to speak the gospel, to preach your word, Lord, in a way that goes forth and penetrates hearts. Please, God, help me to just get out of the way so that you can do whatever it is that you want to do here this morning. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Please come upon me and give me the strength and everything I need to do what you're calling me to do in these moments ahead, that lives would be touched, hearts would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, if you were here, we kicked off a message that was a two-part message, and we're continuing it, finishing it today, which is called A Walk in Humility, A Walk in Humility. And just to do a little bit of summary and recap, in case you weren't uh, here for that message, which you can listen to on our podcast or Facebook page or our website, if you did miss that, I would encourage you to. Um, But... We open this up talking about how if we are going to rise up into the purpose that God has for our lives, if we are going to uh, all begin to flourish and the destiny and the calling that God has upon us, that we can see clearly in the scriptures that we must walk in a way, and you know, when the Bible says walk, it, it's obviously meaning journey with God each day to day that time is passing and we're living out these principles. It says that we are to walk in a way where we walk in humility. We have to walk in a constant place, a spirit of humility, that pride is the opposite of humility, that they're like opposing forces that pride and humility almost are like on an inverse scale they they kind of move in opposite directions meaning when pride begins to rise in someone where they try to promote themselves they try to elevate themselves self-exaltation self-righteousness that ultimately the bible is clear that there is a fall that is approaching if someone continues down that path. But in humility, we see that if we can, you know, maintain a state of humility in our walk, that that will actually lead to God promoting, exalting, and raising up those men and women, those sons and daughters who are walking according to a spirit of humility. Gave the example of how, you know, the, probably the greatest contrast of these two principles we see in Satan and in Jesus. We know that Satan was once an angel in heaven, and it said that he tried to exalt himself up to the place of the Most High God, that he tried to be like God and equal with God. And he exalted himself to attempt to accomplish that. 
And in doing so, God banished him from heaven and sent him down, cast him down, Bible says, into the lower parts of the earth and into the pit of Sheol, which is the underworld. So in Satan's approach, he exalted himself, or tried to, I should say, and that resulted in a huge fall that brought him down to the lowest parts of the earth. Now Jesus, quite contrary, who was on the throne in heaven, beginning the Alpha and the Omega, determined that he would step down and come and dwell among us in the flesh. The Bible says that he descended into the parts of the earth and that he humbled himself even to the point of the cross and to death. So in Jesus demonstrating humility, it says that God actually exalted him to the place above all places, to the highest place that one could go. So you see those two opposing elements where we exalt ourselves and then ultimately we fall. If we humble ourselves, then God will raise us up. It's a powerful truth all throughout Scripture, and it's something that we need to know and live by in order to see God's plan for our life really flourish and come to pass. So I open up these verses in Psalms chapter 91, verse 1, saying, that those who will dwell in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I wanted to do that because to me, this verse gives a very powerful teaching point on how we can really live in a place of humility the way that God is calling us to live. How we can actually see that worked out in us day in and day out. Because it is. It's a constant work. And when we see this verse, there are two names of God that are actually used in this verse. And just to briefly state this, if you're not aware, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God declares himself, or the prophets would sometimes declare him, by different names. And all those names would do would speak to the different character attributes of God. He's still whole and complete, so he is never divided from any of those attributes. It's just that at times, the work that God was doing, certain attributes became more clear and more apparent, and God would give expression to those in his word. So in this verse, he actually gives us two, which is the Most High and the Almighty. So let me give you the two terms for those, and then I'll give you the teaching point around this for humility. The Most High is the term in Hebrew, El Elyon. I need to make a slight correction. Two weeks ago, whenever I was talking about the Most High, I actually said El Elohim. That was incorrect. So I need to correct that now and tell you that it's actually El Elyon. I misspoke, but the context of everything that I was saying was actually accurate as far as what that meant. I just said Elohim, which actually speaks to the divinity of God instead of El Elyon, E-L-Y-O-N, which speaks to the most high, meaning in the highest place of exaltation that one could ever be, which is reserved for God alone. So listen to this. It says that he who dwells in the secret place of the most high, meaning that he who is aware who is gazing upon God, who is seeing God, who is joined in their relationship with the Father in such a way where the fact that He is exalted above all things and resting in the most high place, looking up and seeing Him there, 
that we recognize just how magnificent, how powerful, how amazing God is and how He is above us. And so it puts the proper context of our relationship in place where we are man and He is God. And we're always seeing Him that way in this place of being raised up most high above all things. And when we do, when we dwell in that place, it says that we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And the Almighty is El Shaddai, in Hebrew, which speaks to the power, the omnipotence of God, and the fact that He is unconquerable. Unconquerable. So think about this. When we really get a, a, a look at God and see Him day in and day out, because it says to dwell in this place, that speaks to inhabitation, of dwelling a living place. It's not like a vacation that we sometimes are infrequently visit. This is a place where we need to always be gazing upon God for His majesty, for how amazing He is, how high and lifted up. And when we do, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the power of God, which speaks to the protection, the safety, and the refuge that we experience when we're abiding under that place of Him. And so here's what that does. When you know that you are in the security, in the safety, in the protection of the one who's above all and is more powerful than all, folks, it produces in your life and in your faith a place of security that allows you to walk humbly without any fear or any threat that you're going to lose something or have something taken from you that God has already bestowed upon you or that He's already wanting to give you. Thank you for the hand claps in the front row. I intentionally planted them there for that. Oh, But to me, this is one of the biggest revelations that we get is Humility is not how maybe some would misconceive it in the sense that it's kind of like this inept, uh, just impotent, powerless kind of place of nothing. It actually speaks to a place of such security that we're so rooted and grounded in who we are and what we have in Christ that we can truly say, as the prophets many times said, God is my protector, what then can man do to me? Really, what can man, what can anything of this world do to me if God the Most High is my protector and my provider and I am gazing upon that, walking in that with Him in my relationship to the point where I'm living under the shadow of His protection. In order to be under the shadow of something, you have to be close to the thing. You have to be under, and then there's protection, there's refuge, there's all of the things that we need that are abiding under that. And God's calling us into that place. He's inviting every human heart into that place 
where we can literally dwell, inhabit, abide in the, in the relationship with God in a way where we see Him high, lifted up and exalted and continue to rest under the shadow of His protection, looking at the fallen, temporal, broken things of this world and of man and truly be able to say, what could man do to me? It's God who gives and God who takes away. There is nothing that anyone can do that God hasn't already purposed. And if I trust Him, He'll give me everything He intends to give me and He'll keep me from everything He intends to keep me from. It's a beautiful place to live, to know such security in who we are in Christ to the point where we have no fear of man. We have no fear of losing something or having something taken from us. The the place of fear is a terrible place to live from. And many people do. Even people in the church, they don't quite get a revelation of this. And they live in such a way where they're always trying to hold on to things. They think they have to keep them. And if they're not constantly striving to keep them and hold on to them and protect them, then they might lose them and their life might fall apart. And folks, that is a great deception that the enemy would love for us to buy into is that we can hold on to anything in our lives that God is actually wanting to purpose to bless us with. That it's really Him alone that sustains us and gives us everything that we need. And we are meant as creations of God, the Creator, to live in a place of such security. And when Jesus came down and said that he descended into the lower parts of the earth, humbled himself even to the point of the cross, and then God exalted him up to the highest place of the right hand of the Father, it says right in those verses, let this mind that was in Christ also be in you. Wow. Meaning let you realize and know and understand that you too can live humbly, live in a place of humility knowing that you're man and he's God and seeing him that way, but it really speaks to a life of such security, such confidence in who we are in Christ that it's anything but weak, it's actually full of power, confidence, and faith. And that the strength of God and that the power of God is actually most visible in those things which appear weak. The Bible says that God has chosen the wisdom of the world to confound the wise, right? It says that his strength is actually made perfect in our weakness. And that really means, guys, just seeing God as who he is, high, lifted up, all-powerful, above and beyond all things, the author and the finisher, the alpha and the omega, and seeing him and knowing that, but then recognizing, my God, there's this massiveness, and it's right here next to this person, this human being who's flawed and broken, yet at the same time wants to redeem and restore me and have a relationship with me that's closer than any earthly relationship I could know. The revelation of that produces such strength in our lives, such faith and confidence in our daily walk that we can literally move through this world and never be afraid that the world will take something from us that God is wanting to give to us. 
And that allows us to live in a place of humility. And when we live in that place of humility, then the hand of God can literally, because this is a principle that he lays out in his word, the hand of God can literally come alongside of us, behind us, and begin to exalt us, to promote us, to take us up into the places of our destiny that God is wanting to lead us into. Isn't that amazing? Think about this for a second. Security. The people who typically project pride, arrogance, in most cases are usually the most insecure people. Have you found that to be true? I found, like They're really insecure deep down inside. They, they don't even know who they are. Certainly don't know the promises and the extravagant blessings that our Heavenly Father has lavished upon them and are, are walking in them consistently in confidence every day. They're, they, they're insecure, and so to compensate for that, they build this facade, this edifice, if you will, on the front that attempts to look like there's something that they're really not, wherein deep down inside they're living in a place of fear that people won't see them the way they want to be seen or that they won't have the things, they're going to lose the things that they truly want to have. And so that pride masks a deep insecurity many times that most people are actually living with. It's in the revelation of who we are in Christ, what we have in Him, that such security is produced that we actually live in humility. Isn't that amazing? And humility really is something of strength. And when you look at the Bible, going back a in many places, it speaks about how pride can actually keep people, get this, from entering the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've thought about that and meditated on that quite a bit. And let me just kind of tell you what I believe that speaks to, is when someone doesn't know Christ, they have not given their heart to Jesus and opened it up to let him in made him Lord and Savior and, and become born again. When someone hasn't made that decision and accepted Christ, a lot of times, even though they see they need something, there's an element of pride that's still standing in the way of them fully surrendering and opening up and letting go of their own life, which is ultimately where we must all get to if we're really going to open our heart and receive Jesus in the way we need to. In fact, I don't know that there's ever a greater example of humility than the very moment when we give our life to Christ and open up our heart and he comes in to live by the person of the Holy Spirit. Because you're recognizing, I'm desperate for you, God. I got no answers I'm out of solutions. I'm out of plans. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need to be made new. And I can't do it in any other way than through the way, the truth, and the life and through Jesus. What a place of humility, but what a place of strength at the exact same time. So I think when the Bible says pride keeps people from entering the kingdom of God, it's just that many times maybe they're close to giving their heart to him or maybe they're hearing the word, but there's an element of pride that's not willing to let go, not willing to be a, who cares what the world thinks of me and give their heart to Jesus fully that keeps them from fully stepping over and actually making that decision and welcoming, welcoming him in. And we also see it says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So we know that even when people are walking with Christ, that there is still the, the possibility that a spirit of pride can get into their life. 
and that it can begin to have wreak havoc upon them and the plans that God would have for them. And when that happens, when people think, I'm doing it on my own, it's all me, or I've got to do this thing, it's mine, it's up to me, and they start kind of seeing themselves in this unhealthy way, that spirit of pride, it's like a subtle entry point. Think about this. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? So if it is demonic, then when we open up the door, that spirit of pride can actually begin to get in in a very subtle way and then start to build over time a more substantial stronghold in people's lives that will ultimately end up resulting in a major fall which is the devil's way of destroying the works of God in people's lives. And we see it time and time again. Look at these principles. I'm just going to go through a bunch of these scriptures really fast for you. And I would encourage you to write these down and take notes because I want you to see the pattern and the principle consistent all through the word of God. Proverbs 15, 33. Fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. James 4, 6, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 23.12, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 14.11, Jesus repeats, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself, he will be exalted. Luke 18.14, for everyone exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, this is the last of many more I could give you that I will give you today so you see this pattern. 1 Peter 5, 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Do you see this pattern over and over and over again? It's, it's God's way of saying, walk this way and here's what will happen. So much so that if you don't, God is not able to do something different because He's just and consistent and He'll never oppose what, he's, what His spoken word is saying. So He's given this to us all through Scripture saying, look, you walk in humility and it says that He will exalt you. He will be the one to actually lift us up and bring us into the fulfillment of our destiny. And if we don't, we will see that that fall is a fall that is inevitable. We, were, we took our kids uh, not too long ago to the city museum. Anybody ever been to the city museum in St. Louis? Wow, that's an impressive place. If you have kids, I highly encourage you to go there. If you don't have kids, I highly encourage you to go there. It is so much fun. A very impressive place. But they have this thing in the city museum that uh, is a 10-story slide. 10 stories, and it is amazing. And you have to go up every single flight of stairs, Bill, to get all the way to the top of the 10-story slide. So we go there with our kids, and 
the little ones, poor things, they're not tall enough to get up there. So, of course, they're, you know, crying and throwing a fit. And so the rest of them are like, Dad, let's go, let's go. So we go all the way up these stairs, slowly, gradually, one step at a time. It's this tight little spiral staircase, you know, your, your quads and your calves are screaming like all the way up there again and again. We, it takes time and we make this ascent and it's gradual. And as soon as you get to the top and you hop on that thing, it's like, boom, you're all of a sudden down at the bottom, just like that, right? The ascent and the climb is gradual and it's steady and you're feeling little signs of growing pains and progress along the way. But the fall is quick and fast and you're all the way down at the bottom when you get off. I think this talks a lot to me about how this picture of what God is doing, when it says, humble yourself and he will exalt you in due time. That that's the picture of God's way of bringing his people up into greater places of influence for him. But the fall can be quick, it can be destructive, and whenever we get off, we feel, realize that we have actually come to the very rock bottom. It's God's laws. It's his principles. He gives them to us so that we can abide by them and live by them. But here's the beautiful part is that whenever he says, I will exalt you if you walk humbly, this may sound so simple, but it just blows me away and gives me such faith because it's actually the will of God to exalt his children. It's a principle in his word that he gives us to follow. Humble yourself, I will exalt you. If you, if you exalt yourself, I will humble you. But it's his will, it's his desire Debbie, to actually exalt us into a place of influence and favor for him so that he can use us more powerfully. Isn't that something? Because when something, when you lay eyes on and you get the revelation in your heart that this is the will of God for you. The Bible says if you pray according to the will of God, it'll be granted to you. When you see something is the will of God for your life, it allows you to lay hold of that thing in faith with such certainty that when you pray for it, you already know it's coming. You're just not sure when. And there's a difference in praying like that versus praying for things that you're not sure about. When you pray and you know it's the will of God, it changes the way you pray. Can I get an amen on that from anybody? And so you see that it's the will of God because it speaks of, get this, when Jesus was a boy... It said that he began to grow in wisdom and stature, and he grew in favor with God and with men. Then you go to Proverbs, it says, if you walk in wisdom and according to the truth of God's word, that you will grow in favor and high esteem with both God and with men. It says, he who excels in his work will stand before kings and a man's gift will make room for him. He will stand before great men. God has a plan and a will to promote and exalt his children into a place of influence where they can be used powerfully for him. But there's no place for us to be there if we're not living under a spirit of humility as we go. It's like that's the key to the hand of God, the power that speaks to the power of God, the hand of God coming into our lives and literally taking us up in due time, gradually in his timing and his process into the things and seasons that he has planned for our future. 
I think sometimes that, you know, we get a little off on the timing part. We want to rush it. We see a door opening and, you know, we just kick it the rest of the way. Anybody else besides me ever do that before, right? And then you jump through, you're like, whoop, oh, went through that one a little bit too fast. I mean, there's a, there's a timing to God's plan. It says, I'll, I'll do this in due time, which to me equates out, equates out to when I'm darn good and ready, <laughs> right? And his will and his timing is always better than ours. I know sometimes I'll come running into the kitchen and I'm hungry and I'll say to Katie, Katie, when are you going to start dinner? And I'll get that look, and she'll say, when I'm darn good and ready, <laughs> right? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God for that. Okay. But, you know, I think that what can happen, and, and this is a popular thought process that pervades our culture today, is that people can start to think that they're the ones doing it. They're the reason that they might be experiencing some success. And I want to start to wrap up talking about this because I, I want to caution you. I want you to be aware of the danger of this type of thinking. It, it seems innocent and subtle at first, but the road that it takes you down uh, can be very tragic. And a lot of culture is surrounding a mentality I'll just classify as, as humanism. And humanism is really putting the focus on self. It's basically looking towards ourself as the source and the strength for the things that are happening in our lives. When people say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to think positive and I'm just going to, you know, pick myself up and I'm just going to do this and I'm just not going to allow myself. And you got to hear me that the mind is a powerful thing and God gave us the mind. So there is a truth to that. Yes, we have to think positive and we do have to focus on the right things. But the danger happens when the, the subtle shift occurs and then we begin to look to ourselves as the source of that thing instead of to God. And seeing Him where He is and where we are maintaining that proper place of humility. And we have to be careful that we never get caught up in thinking that anything that's happening in our lives is by the doing of our own hand. But recognizing and giving the glory to God for him being the one who is actually exalting us and bringing us into the places of our destiny and staying on that path of humility that he's calling us to. Can I get an amen from anybody out there for that? Because in, the, in, in truth, ultimately, guys, God will be glorified one way or another. I think that's the part that perhaps we can land on as we close this out today, is the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Those in heaven, which are all the angels and the saints, those on the earth when he returns, and those under the earth, even the demons and those who are bound into the lake of fire from their rebellion, we'll all bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. He will be glorified one way or another. And the Bible speaks that if we won't humble ourselves and glorify God in doing so, 
then other conditions and circumstances will come along to still allow God to be glorified in a way where we will see him for who he is. And so I would just encourage you today, bend the knee, see God for who he is, high and lifted up, almighty, all-powerful, the creator of heaven and earth, but he is so loving and so much has you in his eye that he's inviting you into a personal relationship with him in such a way where you can abide under his shadow, dwell there, inhabit that place every day of your life and live under the protection, the refuge, and the safety of all-powerful God knowing there is nothing that man can do to you. And to let that security produce a walk of humility in your life that literally causes the hand of God to take you into the fullness of the destiny and the purpose that he's created for you for. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen for that. I find this remarkable. Satan, in the beginning of time and creation all the way back to Genesis, you know, we see somewhere around that point is where Satan is cast out of heaven, tries to exalt himself, and he experiences this fall. At the very end of time, when Jesus is getting ready to return, the Antichrist, under the influence of Satan, It says in the book of Thessalonians that he will attempt to exalt himself to the place of the highest place above the worship of God and in the place of God, and he will call himself God. Many believe that in the end times there will be a new temple in Jerusalem and that Satan will actually step into that temple and will sit down and will declare to the world that I am God. Take the mark and worship me or you'll be martyred. And I believe that that's very clear in Scripture. There's evidence to support that. But here's the point. He once again, at the end of the age, tries to exalt himself into a place that is not reserved for him and that he is not able to do by his hand. And what ultimately happens when Jesus returns, it says that he cast the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan, who is known as the dragon, into the lake of fire for all of eternity, where there is eternal torment and damnation. In the beginning of time, it happens to him, and in the very end of the age, it happens again. Satan never learns his lesson. He's bound up in a spirit of pride. It is his mechanism and his device. And he will use this to try to destroy, to dismantle, and and wreak havoc on the works of God in people's lives as sure as anything else that you can see. He's the originator of it. And he will try to make a way to get it into our lives if we allow him to. But rest assured, If you dwell, inhabit the place where you see God high, lifted up as He is, almighty, all-powerful, and you rest under that refuge, that sanctity, 
of that shadow of protection. Praise God, it won't just be words that you utter. It'll be a faith in your heart that can look upon the things in this world and say, what can man possibly do to me? If God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet with me?